The message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. This morning I'm talking about I'm talking about dead ends. I'm talking about dry holes. And I'm also talking about an exit point where you keep walking about, but you don't know your exit and you're not going, you're not going anywhere, basically. You're just kind of, you're just almost stuck. Or oh, God, God is, you know, it's leading you in a way that you are quite unsure of. But all he wants you to do is just to trust him. Hallelujah. So I'm talking about detours, dead ends, and dry holes in God's leading. Detours, dead ends, and dry holes in God's leading. You see, God leads us in such ways that he wants us to know exactly how he's leading us, where he's leading us, and what he wants us to do about it. And just before I go ahead with that, there are some people who are just doing the unusual in this house. Do you know, we're not that much, but we are going to, we're, we're going to blow this house because God has given us a word regarding that. We're going to blow this house, that there will be no place big enough for us, okay? But at the moment, we can count as, you know, the number of people that sit around in our services. We know. But there are people that are doing dangerous things. When I say dangerous things, I mean positively dangerous. There are some of you who are paying your tithe. You don't, you, you don't miss a week. I want to say this to you. It is because of you that God's work is moving forward in this house. So thank you for what you do. Whilst you're not waiting for my thank you, but I, I, I thought it is important to let you know that what you're doing is amazing. And continue to do it. Because God loves it when you obey his word in the house where you belong. He loves it. So hey, you're paying your time. I want to hear testimonies. I want to hear testimonies. I want to hear God's goodness in your life. I want to see how God is moving you forward. I want to hear it. Because that is the, the, the outcome of being obedient to God. That's the outcome. That's the outcome. You know, when you give your tithe, when you pay your offering, or you pay your tithe and give your offering, it is you saying, God, I love you. And for some of us, it is more or less us saying, God, you see where I'm at, but I want you to move me from here to somewhere else. As though that was not good enough, I saw one of you over the week, someone brought my attention to it, that you paid your, your first seed. You gave your first seed. What does that mean? I'll explain in a minute. But you gave your first seed. That is dangerous. That is dangerous, dangerous, positively dangerous. In other words, you're challenging God to say, God, I'm doing all of this, and I'm waiting for you. Or rather, you're saying, God, you gave me this, and I'm grateful with my life. 
That is interesting. And what's first seed? First seed, you know, the Bible talks about giving the first seed of your increase. In other words, let's say you've just started um, a job or no, you've been promoted in a job. Whatever is sitting on top of your original salary becomes your first seed. So let's say you've been promoted and and, and what you get given now instead of, for instance, um, you know, $700, now you're being paid $1,000. So the, the top end of it, which is $300, becomes your first seed, okay? That is not to say that's what you're giving every week, all right? But that's, that is to say the very first time you get, you're increased, you're saying, God, this belongs to you. And that's first seed. Or for some of us, you know, you, you've not had a job for for quite a while, and now you, you've gone back to work, and then your first salary becomes your first seed. And it takes determination, it takes faith, it takes, it takes recklessness <laughs> um, to do that. It, it takes guts to do that. Because you've got bills to pay. Bills are not going to pay themselves. Bills won't say, well, you've already given your tithe to God, so you're not, you're not paying your bill this week. You will still pay it. But you're saying, God, I'm challenging you by giving you my first seed. I know this is going to set me back another $800, but another way you're saying it is, God, when I didn't have it, I lived. So I won't die if I give you this now. And that is faith. That challenged me. And I'm saying that to challenge you. Because it takes faith. Not everyone can do it, okay? And I'm not asking you to do it. But I'm saying, hey, it takes faith to do it. And that kind of faith just blows you out of water. It increases you. It does. Faith seed. Is this another pastor talking about giving money, 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 money? Not really. You know how much I don't talk about money? I hate talking about money. But the truth of the matter is when you do things that get God's attention, it's worth the mention. And I don't think I've ever preached seed faith here in this house. I've never. And I've not done that for a reason. So that you don't think that the increase that we have at church is because of your money. Because the truth of the matter is God blesses us even when everyone do not give. Have you realized that? Especially my team, they know how, how we get money. And the money still comes from this house. It's true. But just God just blesses us. It's an anointing upon this house. And all I'm saying to you is tap into the anointing. Tap into the anointing. Tap into the anointing. There is a power, there is a spirit in this house that just flourishes you, refreshes you. Praise God. Exodus chapter 13. I'm going to take from verse 17. And this story was about when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt. Verse 17 says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. 
God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So, God led them. Say that with me. God led them. So, God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Interesting. Question, who was leading them? Oh, don't just keep quiet on me. Who was leading them? Oh, great. So if God was leading them, you would think that he would lead them not towards dead ends. You would think he would lead them in a path that gets to where you are going quicker, isn't it? But he's saying here that God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. He did not. Because that was a straight path to where they were going. But it cuts across the Philistines' territory. And the Philistines were warriors. They were enemies of the Israelites. And said, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. How many of us wants to get to where we're going faster? You know, where God has promised you, you want to get there faster. And all of a sudden you realize God is not leading you straight away. He's leading you round about. <laughs> and you're feeling, oh God, come on, am I still in your will? So what I'm talking about this morning is God's leading at times. It derails you. It does. And you're feeling like, okay, what, what just happened? What, what just happened? I thought I was going to get there. When I got the word, when I got the prophecy, I thought, you know, in the next week, in the next month, you even have a specific word that on the 15th of, Je of June, you're going to get married. And you say, whoa, my goodness. So you're waiting for the guy to come and the guy is not coming. But it didn't say 2018. So 15th of June. So at times, we, we just feel like we're going to get there. We're just going to, uh, God said it. God said it. And we believe God. And we even gave towards it. And then instead of God leading you in the straight path, straight away, directly, directly to the promised land, you're running around in circles. And it's not you that is running around in circles. It's leading you in circles. <laughs> How good is that? That he takes the detour. Takes the detour. And the map already says in 10 minutes you'll get there, but you press detour, it's taking you around. Another hour. What? And it's like you're driving on M4, your exit, you've just missed it. And now, to go back to the exit that you need to take to go to Blacktown or wherever you're going, you have to go all the way to Parramatta. My goodness. And then, because, because of that, you start to see roadwork, 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 roadwork. You can't exit until you get to Parramatta. It takes you an hour instead of 10 minutes. And you're feeling like, oh no, you're frustrated. Of course you will be. Why? We're going to hear that. So God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. That was why. You know, at times God does not take you straight on to the promise because you're not ready. 
He's not ready. Because he knows that, hey, your way or, or the path between where you are and the promise, there, is, there are challenges. But if you're not ready for the challenge, he won't take you through that path until he prepares you to be ready for the challenge. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, please. We'll come back here. Galatians 4, verse 1. It said, the hair, as long as it's a child. So think of it this way. If the father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. True? Even though they actually own everything their father had. I like that. Or the, the servants will be telling them, no, don't go there. Oh, no, 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 don't touch that. What is this? Think about it. If Lillian decides to get a babysitter at home, and she's gone with Pastor Osaso Isaac to somewhere to do ministry work or something for three days, and then all of a sudden, precious All right, amen. All of a sudden, Precious decides, you know what? I'm just going to drive to the shops. What do you think the babysitter will do? <laughs> no, you're not doing it. You're going nowhere. But she's just a babysitter. She owns nothing in the house. She's meant to look after the children of the house, who owns everything, including the car. But they can't, because they are not grown up yet. That's what he's saying. In King James Version, he said, the hair, for as long as the child, differed not from a slave, although he is the owner, he is the Lord of all. Although he owns the, the estate, but he is... Let, let's do this again. Let, let's read a little bit of that. Verse 2. Say, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. They have to obey their guardians. They have to obey, you know, when it says guardians here, in, new, uh, in, in King James Version, it says they are put under tutors and governors until the time that is appointed by the Father. And when is the time that is appointed by the Father? That's another uh, message entirely. The time that is appointed by the Father is a time that is usually determined by your readiness. It's determined by your readiness. And God looks at you, are you ready? No, you're not ready. No, let's go, let's go another detour. Are you ready? No, you're not ready. Another detour. That instead of 40 days to get to the promised land, it took them 40 years. Not 80 days. Not 140 days. 40 years. How many days are those? Mathematicians. 365 times 40. Then forget about the leap year. Just do. You're doing it. 14,600 days as opposed to 40 days. Think about it. You are just wandering around on Parramatta Road. 
for 14,600 days and you are going to Blacktown. Or even for those of you who came to Australia, think about it that you have a layover of 14,600 days when you're supposed to get to Australia in three days or two days. If you knew that there was going to be that much layover, you wouldn't come. But if you knew that there was going to be some rocky, stormy weather that's going to land you in China and then they put you in another, another plane and then put you in another plane and before you know it, you are in Australia in three days, you probably might go, oh, well, that rocky, stormy weather. Are you sure our plane is not going to crash? And if it crashes, will I survive? You see, all of those will make you feel like, no, I don't want to go. But God does not tell you that because he knows that's part of the plan. Because he knows he wants you to be strong for it. He wants to harden you first. So he's not going to tell you that. So instead, he takes you through another, another route. It's longer, but he's preparing you. You see, some of us, we've been praying for something and you're not getting it, but God is preparing you. It's not because you are not in God's plan, but God is preparing you because he knows that you're not ready for it now. You're not ready for it now. Some of you want to have children. You say, but you're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. Look at your attitude. You cannot even act like a, a father. You, 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 you're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. You, you, can't, you can't be a mom. You don't, have, you don't have the characteristics of being a mother yet. You're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. And it's not about your age. You might say, well, the clock is ticking. It's not about that. You're not ready for it. You're not ready for it because God has your best interest at heart. He's got your best interest. Say, am I in God's will? That's one question. But if you are doing God's will, then you're in God's will. Although things are not working the way you, you intend for it to work. And that's why when people come to church, they pray just a little prayer, things work, right? They pray. And before they even lay their hands on their head to say, God, I, I thank you because this headache is gone. And the headache goes. And after a few weeks or a few months of being Christians, that same prayer does not work for them anymore. God is toughening you up. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to grow up. You know, Hebrews chapter 5, you know, talks about Instead of being fed baby food, he said, grow up. Grow up. He said, now you ought to be eating meat, not milk. Solid food. Hey, solid food. Grow up. Amen. Amen. So that's number one. The detour, the discipline of detour was for a purpose, and God had a purpose for it. And think about it, in verse 21 of chapter 13, it says, The Lord went ahead of them. <laughs> he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. He was with them. He was with them. So it was not like now they're lost, they're out of God's will, they don't know where they are. No, God was with them. The Bible said, in verse 17, it said he led them. So when it talks about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, that, that actually represents the Holy Spirit. And all you need to do is stop complaining. Just focus on Jesus. 
I'm not getting this yet. Just focus on Jesus. Why is this happening to me? Forget about why. Because it's a design. And all you need to do is focus on Jesus. Right? Focus on God. Because he's there. He said he's not there to, to deliver you from. He's there to deliver you in. He said when you pass through the fire, it will not burn you. In other words, you will pass through it. So when you go through the water, it will not drown you. In other words, you will be in it. The challenges are real. But Exodus chapter 14, verse, uh, verse 14, it says, But the Lord shall fight for you while you hold your peace. While your peace is undisturbed. In other words, hey, don't fret. Stay in his will. Stay in his will. Stay in his path. It does not make sense right now. Don't try to make it make sense because then you start to make mistakes. Yes. You understand that? You start to make mistakes. You start to take, take laws into your own hands. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't say, well, I'm not making enough money to do this, so I'm just going to start going to another place to do this. And you already know. In your spirit, you just know it's not right. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because God has got a promise for you. But he's, this time is hardening you up because he knows there is a challenge ahead of you. He does not want you to, to car under the, the weight of that challenge. But he wants you to be able to stand strong and see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Then number two, dead ends. God leads us through the dilemma of dead ends. And in chapter 14, verse 8, it says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army. With how many forces? All the forces in Pharaoh's army. All his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops, the Egyptians cut up. It's not like they didn't find them. They cut up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pihahiroth, across from Baal-Zephon. Strong words. Okay. As Pharaoh approached the land, the the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. <laughs> overtaking them. Not only caught up with them, but overtaking them. So trying to surround them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why have you done to us? Or why have you done to us? What have you done to us? Sorry. What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. See how people love to just be slaves all their lives, you know? I'd rather just be where I am. Just leave me alone. I didn't know this was going to happen. You preach the gospel to me, and I thought tomorrow I'll be in heaven. But I'm still here on earth going through this suffering. 
why did God allow all these terrible things happen to, to good people? Why? 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 But why? Why? And you have all the whys. Is it like there are no graves in Egypt? Why did you lead us here? At least we would have been buried. At least we grew up as slaves and died as slaves. Honorable slaves. But God said, I've got a promise for you. He said, but just leave us here. It's okay. They've been talking about this. Do you know how many years they spent in, in the land of Egypt? 400 years. To the point that they didn't even feel like, they felt like home in slavery. Hmm? And at times, because of the things you've gone through, you just feel like this is life. This is what life is about. This is me now. There are no more changes. This is just me now. Hey, that's not the end of it. God has got a plan. God has got a plan. Do you know where they found themselves was exactly where God wanted them to be? It was where God wanted them to be. Check it out. In verse 2 of chapter 14, verse 1 says, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Listen, who gave? The Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Verse 2, order the Israelites to turn back, to turn back and camp by where? Pihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. Come there along the shore across from Barzephon. Where were they? Where were they caught by Egyptians, uh, by the Egyptians? The same place. So God led them. He knew it was dead end. There were mountains here, mountains there, Red Sea. And when they looked back to go backwards, Pharaoh. And God led them there. That is the craziest thing that God will do to know there is no way out. And lead you into a dead end. It is crazy. But it's to show something. To show his power. So God makes a way where there seem to be no way. Where there seem. Because in your own visualization, you can see nothing. You don't see a way you feel like I'm trapped. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then God said to Moses. Where have you gone? So I've got a stick. So then stretch it and divide the water. And Moses stretched it. And all of a sudden, way. But you see, the way that God created for the children of Israel was for the destruction of Pharaoh. You see, the salvation, your salvation is the condemnation of the world. Do you know that? So don't fret. When you think like, oh, I'm stuck. All I ask you is trust in God. Trust in God. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ever ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within you. He is able. He is able. In other words, he has the capacity, the ability to do. He has. And that's why he's called almighty. He didn't call himself that. He is called that because of what he's done. That's his resume. <laughs> you see, he didn't call himself Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah, um, you know, Sharma. You know, he didn't call himself all those names that we call him today. It was God's people that called him that. Do you know why they called him? Because of what he's done in their lives. 
He gives them peace. They go, whoa, wow, that's Jehovah. Nisi. Jehovah, shalom. Jehovah, my peace. You know, they called him so many names because of what he's done. It's your turn to give him a name. He's my peace. He's my joy. He's the rock of my salvation. Even when things are tossing and turning and I don't see my way through, he is my rock. In him I stand. I stay here. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I stay here. So that you're a Christian does not mean there won't be a detour because it's designed. That you're a Christian does not mean there won't be dead ends because it's designed. God planned it. Look at it. Look at it. I'm not just trying to make it up. Verse 13, chapter 14. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Just stand still. That's the best advice ever. And it's the dumbest one. That's true. You are at a dead end. What should you be doing this time? You should fight, right? You should fight. So instead of Moses telling them, hey, come on, get ready, let's fight. Just said, stand still, do nothing. Do nothing. But then see. You see, he gave them three things. One, stand still. Stand still. In other words, be firm upon your resolution. Be firm, be firm, be resolute. Say to yourself, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He said, even when the wicked, even my enemies came up upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble. He didn't say I made them stumble. He didn't say I chased after them. He didn't say I tried to fight them. No, no, no. He said, when they came up, Psalm 27, come on. So when they came up to eat up my flesh, he said they stumbled and fell. So though war may rise against me, I'll not fear. I won't fear. You know, at times it's difficult to say that. At times. At times it's difficult not to cry when things are happening. And at times it's just healing to actually cry. But don't cry out of hopelessness. Cry being hopeful that God is able to do. All right? If you want to cry, cry. It's okay. It's okay. Cry. But don't go, oh God, oh God, I'm the only one in this world. I'm almost dying. Oh no, no one likes me. Everyone hates me. I feel like killing myself. I'll just take my own life. Oh, that life is not yours. The life you now live is not yours. So don't ever think, I want to take my own life. It's not yours. You borrowed it. <laughs> As a Christian, it's loaned to you. That's your new life now. So don't even think about that. Don't give up because things are tough. How about thinking? I'm being toughened for the good things to come. I'm being trained. Being trained. The Israelites were being trained. That was God's boot camp. It was a boot camp. He was training them. He was training them. Think about it. At the end of the 40th year, when God told them, okay, now, all right, go around the, the Jericho, they, they didn't even argue, all right, because there was no Egypt to go back to, right? <laughs> they, they, they didn't argue. All right, we'll just go around it. What do you want us to do? He said, just shut up. He said, okay, we will. Go around it seven times. So they went around it the first day once, second day once, 
third day once, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day once, and then on the seventh day, said, go around the seventh day, said, is this our strategy to defeat the Canaanites? Shut up. Okay. So you see, they were more obedient after being led by God to understand spiritual law that the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. You don't even, you see, this battle, you don't even need to fight. All you need to do is to show up. That's it. Just show up and smile. Say, no, what things are going? Just smile. I don't feel like smiling. Fake it. (laughs) Just do it. Because it's about obeying God's word. He said, rejoice evermore. That's what it says. Say, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That is his will. It is his will. Don't forget that. It's his will, not yours. It's his will. And he wants you to be obedient to his will because, ha, to those who are obedient, they will eat the good of the land. That's what the scripture says. So be obedient, right? Psalm 27. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Did they say I would do something about the trust? No. Say, though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. I'll remain confident. I'll remain confident. And in verse 4, he said, one thing have I desired. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection and meditating in his temple. Why? For he will conceal me when when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Out of reach. Out of reach on a high rock. Huh. So all you need to do, stay in God. Stay in God. Don't make excuses for being, you know, for not being able to be in God. You've got your Bible, right? Study to show yourself approved. You've got your voice. Sing praises. Give thanks. Do it in the shower. Don't create a special time. Special time will come. You see, when you're growing up, don't try to set special strategies for yourself. Just do it. Just do it. And then, when the special time comes, you, you don't then feel too burdened to pray for 30 minutes, to pray for one hour. But before those special times, in the shower, when you are cooking, when you are washing your clothes, when you are hanging your, your washings, just pray. Lord, I thank you. You know, at times, it's not even, you don't even actually need to close your eyes to pray. Right? You don't need to. Because that's for your benefit, though. You know, when you close your eyes, it's for your benefit. So that you don't get distracted. That's it. That's the reason. When you close your eyes. But you can just go, Father, talk to him like he's in the room with you. And that is not to say you can't be afraid. You, you know, but the, the scripture says, do not be afraid. In other words, he know there will be fear. Yes. Yes. So he's not denying the fact that there will be fear. 
Paul is saying, don't lose hope. That's what it means to be not afraid. Don't lose hope. Don't cry as though you have no hope. You can cry, it's okay. But cry, understanding that God is able to do. All right? Okay. So where you are right now is planned. It's perfect. And you are the perfect one designed for where you are right now. You're perfectly designed for this situation. And God hemmed the Israelites in. He used them as bait to get Pharaoh. He used the whole country as a bait to get Pharaoh. He said, I will be exalted in the eyes of, of the Egyptians. He said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Because this guy defiled God. When Moses was telling him about God, he said, what God? Who? Because he had so many gods in his palace. He has God of irrigation, God of pregnancy, God of... He had all the gods. He had them. He had them. So when you know, Moses came back to tell him about God of Israel, he said, what God? He said, I am. I what? So he didn't understand him. So when he said, God says, let my people go, he said, no, I don't get it. So even with the, the, the plagues, he said no. Until God took his first son. So, but why did God take his first son? No, because God didn't do it first. Pharaoh did it first. Because the Bible says, Israel is my firstborn son. And he kept the, God's firstborn son in slavery for 400 years. God says, come on, you can't do that. I'm asking to let him go. And you're saying no? They've served you for 400 years, and you're saying no? All right then. The message you've heard was produced by the Trans Edge Church, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us by email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com.